0: just
1: Saturday morning, it's time for Michael Nesco's Renegade Rock here on the Rogue Radio Podcast Network, bringing all the great music and interviews to you every Saturday morning, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. We have Addie Lee up and running now. We have Stony Curtis up and running. Our interview with Danny Coker is up and running. And today we have a very, very special guest, one of my idols, Mr. Frank Marino from Mahogany Rush. Frank, welcome to Renegade Rock.
2: Well, thank you, thank you
1: for having me, Frank. I have to tell you, I, I I've been a giant fan of yours for a long time. I I saw you at Winterland. It was Ruby Star, Mahogany Rush, and Black Sabbath. I was like hooked. I was. <laughs> I very much remember that night. You and he came out and introduced you as Rush. Yeah, <laughs> and, and you and you came out and said, "No, we're Mahogany Rush," and <laughs> right. yeah. But anyway, so Frank, you're such a great guitarist. What was Who was the first guitar player that you ever saw that made you, you know, say, this is what I want to do?
2: Well, it wasn't like that for me. Um, I, 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 I never, I mean, the first guitarist as a guitarist, let's say, that made me mm-hmm. think about, wow, that's really cool, was Jimi Hendrix, obviously. But that wasn't the reason I was playing. I mean, I liked bands. Where I came from, I liked the music. And whether it was a guitarist that was doing it or... I never compartmentalized it into the guitarist, the bass player, the drummer, blah, blah, blah. And I wasn't... The music was
1: first, right.
2: Yeah, I was a drummer myself. I was a a budding young drummer that thought maybe one day I'd be a drummer.
1: Really? That's that's pretty interesting.
2: Yeah, but uh, guitar became the instrument that I played. And it was only after I played... For a while, that I started to look at band's guitarists, you know, as separate from from the rest of the band. Right, right, right. But uh, it was really Jimi Hendrix that uh, made me start looking at uh, looking at things that way. Yes.
1: You know? Well, he, he he did that for a lot of us too. I'll tell you.
2: <laughs> but I mean, there were other. It turned out that all the bands I liked happened to have guitarists that you could say were influencing me. Um you know, I liked Quicksilver Messenger Service and uh, I liked the Allman Brothers and I liked Santana. And the, at those days, that's the stuff that I was, you know, I was listening to. Now I, I like The Doors and that's a completely different. Color. Wow, yeah.
1: that's, that's cool. There was no real heavy guitar in The
2: Doors, but they had good songs. Yeah, they had great tracks and uh their guitarist was very unique you know with what he played yes he was Bobby yes she was and um you know i always i was always sort of influenced by that genre of music at that time it was more like the overall picture uh, that i was uh that was shaping my guitar. Plus I liked jazz and I liked blues. I liked jazz because I was a drummer.
1: God, you're a great you you have so many great jazz licks. I when I'm listening to your stuff I'm going Man, Frank, you should have put out a jazz record.
2: Yeah, you know, I would have done that if I was a real jazzer, but I didn't want. To, <laughs> I didn't want to you know, put out a jazz record that's kind of like not exactly perfect jazz, right, and then right, I have right. all the jazz pe- jazz people saying, "What's he doing?" You know, like. What's he doing? Yeah. How dare he? How dare he? Yeah, and I had enough of how dare he with the uh, with the whole Hendrix thing for years.
1: Oh, that must that must have drove you crazy. I mean, to me, yeah, it, it, drove, it drove me. It drove me. And to me, you were like Trower. I mean, you guys got compared to Hendrix, but you—you you had your own sound. I mean, you were just—we all were influenced by that guy, but it doesn't mean, you know.
2: No, I didn't. I didn't mind. I didn't mind people seeing the influence because I, I personally spoke of the influence. My, my goodness, my first album I dedicated to the memory of Jimi Hendrix. Right, right. It, you know, he had died. I wasn't hiding it. You know, but. When the journalists started to invent stories, as journalists often do. And we all know what that story is. Yeah, and they'd start to, they invented these ridiculous, I mean, really, really ridiculous stories, something you'd expect to see in the... In a, in, a, in a tabloid or something, uh, and they would put that out as if it was true. And then some people would say that I said these things, and it was
1: like I know, and that hung over your head for
2: a while too. Oh, it, it, it just got, just got horrible. So. I began to write songs, tongue-in-cheek songs, joking about it, basically. You know that song, "Making My Way," that you wanted to play. Uh, right, right. That, that, uh, thats basically a tongue-in-cheek version. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, okay, here it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, come back from the, come back from my grave. Yeah, yeah. Sure, right. You know. Because what what was really weird about that story was the, it, it is true that I went to a hospital and it is true that I learned to play guitar while I was in the hospital. Um, but that was in 1968. So... This whole idea that I went into a hospital and got the spirit of Jimi Hendrix or something, which is the story that they started to make. Right, that that was the story, right. Yeah. How could that be since he died in nineteen seventy? I know, I know. <laughs> And I would try to tell people like, "Hey, wait a minute! Like your your math is wrong. You know, like this is no way that I I said this. You know, your math is wrong."
1: It must have been uh, it must have been incredible for you to have all that success thrown on you at such a young age.
2: Well, I didn't even know it was happening because I was still recovering from this from the acid trip. You know, like, it <laughs> took me many many years to recover from that acid trip. And playing guitar was was uh, part of the part of the recovery. You know, like that's why I played guitar. Just yes. sort of nothing to do other than live in that horrible trip. So you know, but I, I liked more than just that kind of music too. Like I was a big Beatles fan, and, you know, from from well before the psychedelic age. You know, like right Beatles fan with the you know, right back to the days of the Beetle boots and the Beatle haircuts. You yes, know. When, when life was cool. Yeah, you know, was the, all of that was the background music of our life. Yes, totally. And, and to this day if you say to me well, what do you want to listen to it's going to be something from that era it's never it's not going to be something from from a later era
1: and we're lucky that we grew up in that era and we and you know because the music today is wow
2: <laughs> yeah and and it's it's obvious that it was the a golden era because people today are still listening to the music from that. Era. i know isn't that crazy now, to show you how crazy that is, just put yourself back in nineteen sixty nine or sixty seven and imagine that that everyone then would be listening to music from nineteen o five
1: yes <laughs>
2: <laughs> hardly hardly likely right yeah right totally i that that makes total sense. Yeah, so that's what today is like. Today they're listening to music that's as old to, yes. you know, relative to today as it would have been if we were in the 60s listening to music from 1900. And what a good testament to our era of music, right? Yeah, no, no, it's true. There was an explosion of genuine general talent, you know, from the Beatles on.
1: And people were allowed to have talent instead of, yeah. like, today everybody's stuck
2: into a mold, you know? Right, right. There's too much... Uh, look... If you remember, the, uh, the thing that was said in, that, in those days quite a lot was to be a non-conformist. Everyone wanted to be free and everyone wanted to be a non-conformist. We were anti-establishment. Now it's like everyone's conforming. And I don't get it. You know, People are conforming in music, they're conforming in politics, they're conforming in all kinds of things. Frank, what
1: is your songwriting process? I mean I with with me I know it's always the music first and the lyrics yeah, later. Mine too same with you. Yeah, mine too. Always
2: always has been. Every every single every single song on every single album was written as an instrumental first. Wow. Even the melodies of what the vocals ended up being were done as an instrumental verse. And then I had to sit there and figure out what words I had to say.
1: Right. I've never been a lyric person. I've been listening. You know what's been stuck in my head for the last three days is Strange Universe. What a great song that is. I mean. Right. It's had many iterations. Oh,
2: that melody line is just beautiful. It's just. Was originally was originally in D. Now we do it in E, but it was originally in drop D. Wow!
1: No one was doing drop D back then. No, as a matter of fact, I, at some point I was drop C sharp. Wow, that's really crazy. But uh, that was originally in originally in drop D. So, so where did you get your first break? What was your first
2: break? It's hard to say. It just sort of by osmosis. It just sort of things got a little bigger and a little bigger and a little bigger it just happened quickly but things just got a little bigger you know there wasn't one big moment
1: where did where did you meet
2: jimmy and paul oh i met them i had had like a number of drummers before and a number of bass players before jimmy and paul i'd even been gigging with other guys before jimmy and paul wow but it's just that Jimmy and Paul were the ones on the first album, so so people tend to think that they were the first uh, original musicians in Mahogany Rush, but they weren't. They weren't, okay. Well, that's pretty so cool. Jimmy so was, Jimmy was closer to the beginning. I hadn't had as many drummers, but I certainly had a lot of bass players before Paul, and and gigging bass players, not just in a basement, but doing out, doing gigs. Wow, that's pretty cool.
1: You know, this is Mike Onesco. You're listening to Renegade Rock On the Rogue Radio Podcast Network, we're talking to the great Frank Marino from Mahogany Rush. We're going to break away and play another song, another Mahogany Rush song, and then we'll be right back with Frank Marino. Hi, it's Michael Nesco. We're back with Frank Marino from Mahogany Rush. Frank, I have to tell you, I've just been a giant fan for a long time. I'm glad you've been one. <laughs> yes, and
2: uh, you must—you must be the one that bought my record.
1: Yes, I'm the only one. No, uh, no, the live at the Agora DVD just kicks butt. I, I have to tell you,
2: I really enjoy that. Yeah, that's actually become my favorite. Of all of them, because it has so much of all the old tunes in it, and it's, it's so long, and it's got so much detail, and it sounds really good. Yeah. Uh, it's actually become my favorite.
1: Yeah, and, and you have a great uh, backup band there. Those guys sound really good. And I know one of the things I did notice is uh, you're playing the SG with the single coils a lot.
2: Yeah, but you know what I had been doing that for many, many years. That that guitar was built in the 70s. Wow. That's a beautiful. <laughs> and I didn't use it. I didn't use it all the time in the 70s. I used it once in a while, but it was actually built in the 70s. Wow, that's a beautiful SG. How many SGs do you have? I've got quite a few. I mean, the main ones that I use it's about six or seven that I always use, but there's many more other ones that I don't use often that are just sort of sitting in cases. So, how has your
1: uh, rig evolved from the '70s to to now? I mean,
2: are you still? You- well, I learned. I learned. I learned how to build my own. Wow, that's pretty cool. So, so basically, you know, what used to be that I was building my pedal boards in the, in the early '70s and attaching them to whatever app I could Um, then it became well why don't I just build my own apps so
1: you're not playing out of Marshalls anymore you're using your own amplifier no I didn't play
2: out of Marshalls Uh, the entire 70s I was playing with an acoustic 270 transistor amplifier are you kidding me no and uh and the basic sound that i was getting was coming from my pedal board
1: wow what what flanging you had some really the flanging you were using live in the 70s was i mean where did you even get that where did you find
2: that yeah i had two i had two i had two types i had early on i had a maestro phase shifter and and later on, I used an even tide flanger, which wow. was supposed to be for a rack mount for the studio, but I, I modified it so that I could use it as a pedal on the floor. You know, a couple of echo you know, all that kind of stuff. But then eventually, I said, to, you know, I, I used to go see this guy who would modify twin reverbs and stuff like that, which I always like twin reverbs. And uh, then I said to myself, well, I'm going to sort of learn how to do what he was doing. And I started to learn about it because I'd already been doing it with pedals anyway. And so then I eventually built, you know, and developed. So over, over time, I developed my own sound with my own rig and my own preamp. And Wow, it's, it's beautiful. So that's what I use. What I, You know, what you might find interesting is what I'm about to do now is I'm about to put out three of my pedals that I built. Many years ago. Wow! Good for you. Good for you. It might be nice if I if I rebuild them and reconstitute them and build them like you know like on a one by one order basis. People order them. They, right. They don't mind waiting. I'll build them. I'll sign them, and uh, and they'll get my. Phone. Are you kidding? G- getting a hand
1: built pedal from Frank Marino? I, I don't think they would mind waiting. <laughs> well,
2: that's that's really going to happen. I mean, God willing, it's going to happen. You know, we're working on wow. it now. So there's, fantastic. There's three three different pedals that I. have. To put out through the main three that i've used for pretty much everything
1: what what kind is, is, is what kind of road do you do you use a univibe or a rota
2: vibe no no i'm talking these these particular pedals are types of distortion
1: oh distortion pedals okay
2: one is a clean boost and and it's just a clean boost it just gives you a heck of a lot more level if you want to use it to drive your own app into distortion so that's one of the most natural ones. right um and then one is an overdrive, obviously, but but with a full EQ. Wow, that's cool. And the up, the other one is a super fuzz, more more like overdrive and fuzz. Wow. And so if you if you know if you're familiar with um, not too many of us remember the fuzz face, you know. <laughs> yeah, no. If you're familiar with the DVD. Oh yes. Like, the fuzz is the thing I'm using when I'm doing Electric Reflections of War, and I'm doing all the bombs and all that stuff. Oh, wow, that's That's good to know. That's my fuzz. Wow, that's cool. And the overdrive is the thing I'm using when I'm doing most of the other solos in the songs, like the solos that are in songs. Right, right. Like in musical songs. And the clean boost gives you the kind of sound I get when I'm playing the cleaner stuff, like the blues stuff and uh, Buddy.
1: Yeah, that slow blues on the DVD is it, it, I was crying. listening to it the other night. It was just, it, it was. You know, I, I, I love your version of King B off the '70s Live Mahogany Rush Live. I mean, you're, you're playing on there is so unbelievable. I mean, Joe Bonamassa don't have
2: nothing on you, baby. Well, they all, they, everybody's got their thing, you know. <laughs> everybody's got their thing.
1: Yeah, I know, but you are so fast on that version of King B and. And and then the live blues on the Agora DVD is just beautiful. It's just
2: gorgeous. Yeah, we just put out on YouTube an unreleased blues tune from the Agora. Just came out. That's the one I'm talking about. Yeah, Yeah.
1: that's the one I'm talking about.
2: Three, four days ago. Yeah, just beautiful. That would be the... The, the
1: clean boost pedal. Wow, that's very cool. And, and then, what kind of Wawa are you
2: using? Are you using a Crybaby or a Vox or? Yeah, it's like it's like a it's like a Crybaby modified. You know, to have more 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 options, if you want to put it this way. You know, Crybaby type of
1: thing. And how about your uh, your Univibe? Are you still using a Univibe or?
2: I don't use a Univibe. I have a Univibe, but I very rarely have used it. I much prefer my Even Type to my Univibe. Wow.
1: That's interesting. Yeah, I
2: very rarely used the Univibe. Just a few times I used it on my main pedal board, but I always found it got a little bit too thin when it's swishing through the the Univibe. You know, like it would lose the bass too much. So I just didn't use it for that reason.
1: So I was digging through my old posters, and I found this Mahogany Rush poster, and you were the headliner, and your opener was Judas Priest, and I was just cracking up, man. (laughs) Yeah.
2: I remember doing a gig where the opener was (laughs) ACDC. Wow,
1: isn't that crazy? (laughs) I remember that. You played some big arena shows. I mean, yeah. Just I, I mean, I saw
2: you day in the green at, in Oakland oh, for Bill Graham. Yeah, yeah, those were the Bill Graham dates. Yeah, yeah, Bill Graham, and all that was where the Winterland dates came in too.
1: Yeah, yeah. Say that I saw you the Winterland show with Ruby Star, Frank, Mahogany Rush, and Black Sabbath, and Winterland's gone. It's an apartment.
2: Oh, I know. Oh yeah, I know. I know.
1: It's it's sad. Some of the best best music I've ever seen, and then I actually got to work for Bill Graham at one point I was so happy, you know, I was like
2: (laughs) Yeah. I'll never be another promoter like Bill.
1: No, there were never he changed the face of rock and roll, that's
2: for sure. Yeah. Never be another promoter like Bill.
1: So what's it what's in what's in store
2: for Frank Marino right now? What's going on? Well I have a little bit of a health problem. I don't want to get into the details of it and that's really what made me stop touring. Um and I'm just, you know, I'm people assure me that it something that may fix itself in time.
1: And oh that's so it's not life threatening or anything like that. Not
2: at the moment. Sometimes I wish it was. <laughs> so No, don't don't but, say, know, that. Like, don't like, say like, that. It's really really not good. I, I have severe
1: arthritis in my hands and it's like a fear of that I'll never be able to play guitar again, and it's sort of scary. So yeah. I, I can understand where you're coming from, my friend. But
2: you know what? I mean, if things get better and God's good to me, uh, you know, like, and he, he, you know, restores me, well, then, yes, I'll, I'll probably go back out and play again. But at the moment, all I can do is just, you know, play while I'm here or whatever, you know?
1: So, Frank, I... I, I uh before we t- we're running out of time here. Before I t- take off, do you have any last words you want to say for any up-and-coming guitar player that wants to you know be a guitar hero or or just
2: a musician in general? Well, I mean, I tell them all the time. You know, try to try to. Uh, concentrate as much on your tone as you do on your playing and then try to concentrate as much on your phrasing as you do on your licks and make sure that whatever you do when you play with people you do a lot of listening because that's really the key listening you know if, if think of your good think of your guitar as a horn a horn player can only play when he blows out he's got to take breaths. so so you know play when you breathe out and take breaths and then play when you breathe out and you'll probably phrase it properly.
1: What a great analogy. That's just very nice. Well, Frank Marino, thank you for coming on Renegade Rock. I mean, it's an honor and thrill for me to have you here and um, hope to have you back soon.
2: Well, thank you for having me and anytime you want to talk just give me a call and we will.
1: Want to thank the great Frank Marino from Mahogany Rush for coming on Renegade Rock? We'll see you next week, kids!